Hello, every single person, especially our friend Ron. My name is Jordan Reed. And I'm Lindsay Reed. And this is Spooky Spouses, a podcast about ghosts and Ron uh, and stuff. (laughs) Each week we talk about things like cryptozoology. Our friend Ron. Aliens. I I, the only one person that we know named Ronald. Urban legends. Uh, the Wendigo. We do talk. We have talked about yeah, the Wendigo. Yeah, yeah. Paranormal things. Anything spooky related. <laughs> would I mean? Would you look at that? Hey. <laughs> Each week, Lindsay and I research a topic separately of one another, and then we walk back inside of our house. We tie our legs together, like we're both facing each other front to front and we tie our legs together and we walk inside our house it's that's weird well it's a ritual and then we sit down <laughs> we sit down on the couch and then we talk about what we've dis- what we've researched for the first time with each and every one of you and each other on the show so we all listen together how fun it's just a nice warm cozy embrace Ooh. tis the season halloween's over which is very sad but i think it's halloween all year round we still have our Halloween stuff up. I think we probably will until January something. I think that's because we're the spooky spouses. <laughs> so we have spooky things. Yeah, we do. But it's, Linz, it's November now. It's time for turkey soon. That's spooky, I guess. Spooky turkey? You know what is spooky about turkey is that we only really cook and eat turkey once a year and it's usually dry and there's all the, there's like CSI level or like Navy SEAL level techniques on how to make turkey not dry. It's like, if it's such a terrible thing to cook and it's always dry, why do we even eat it? Yeah, you need that turkey gravy. (laughs) People always like hurt themselves on Thanksgiving too because they try to do the like the what the deep fried turkey or the I don't even know what they do with it. Yeah, it's all deep fried and they just drop it in the deep fryer super fast when their turkey's probably frozen. And it explodes. Explodes. That's scarier than Halloween. Yeah. Uh, turkey explosions. Grease fires. <laughs> yeah. Be careful cooking your turkey this year. If anyone is deep frying a turkey, let us know how it turns out. Also, slowly but surely. Be careful. As the old saying goes, uh, live cautiously, die of old age. So yeah. lower your turkeys in very slowly. So last week, we I did a little bit of trivia. You yes. talked a little bit about dressing up for Halloween in our own personal costumes. Yes. Speaking of costumes, really quick, this year, Lindsay suggested that I dress up as Weird Al, and I did, and Lindsay painted on my mustache, or filled in my mustache. I filled it in. And then even gave my wig a haircut, and Weird Al put me in a collage on on his Twitter, which yeah. is weird, because I didn't- He liked your Weird Al. I didn't tag him or anything, so he did some deep diving of Al- Weird Al. <laughs> weird Al. I don't- if Weird Al really has a lot going on right now, so maybe he had the extra time to do it. He might be between things. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Sure. But it was just so weird because it was like funny. 30, 40, 50 other people dressed up like Weird Al. I was like, that's very nice. Kindred spirits. Yeah. And our, our two friends came out to Halloween with us and they were supposed to be dressed up as Weird Al, but they couldn't have looked anything farther from Weird Al. Uh, one, everybody thought looked like Frank Zappa. Yes. And the other one, everybody thought looked like Ron Jeremy. I won't explain who Ron Jeremy is, but he kind of did. I will also say... In a charming way. Don't Google it. <laughs> Ask someone or... Ask a friend. Don't hey, Google. You know what? I think if you want to, fine, but please turn on safe search. Yes. 
Okay. And that's all we'll say about that. Sure. <laughs> but it was a fun Halloween. I hope everybody else had fun this Halloween. Yeah. And thank you to everyone who sent us pictures of your Halloween costumes. We got a doggo costume dressed up like a pumpo. But thank you, everyone, for the little costume pics. Yeah. For the costume JPEGs. Feel free to send us costumes anytime. Yeah. Because we like them all year round. Say, uh, do we have any listeners that go to cons and stuff and you want to dress up? Send us your pics. Heck yeah. You can send them to SpookySpousesCast at gmail.com or Spooky underscore Spouses on Twitter and Instagram. Cool. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I'm first this week. You are. And you are holding a tiny little book you bought yesterday. I bought this book yesterday. It's a spell book. And I found a spell that I'm going to share with you and our listeners because I think it's very funny. What's the nature of this book? So this book is basically, it's a bunch of different spells, but they're for like good things. They're like how to have a good day, like stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't know how accurate or how like believable this stuff is, but it's a fun little book. And I found one, which I'll tell you here in a second, that I think is very funny. Okay. And it could be useful to everyone. Okay. Okay. So one, I'll probably read these every now and again because I think it's really fun and it might be useful to someone if they work. I don't know. You'll have to try it. And I also think it's good that you said you'll read them now and again because knowing me, I'd say I'll do it every episode and then I'd forget (laughs) the next episode. (laughs) Well, this is a spell. It doesn't have a title. Like some of them say like this is called the shredding spell. For Guitar Hero when you play Guitar Hero. shredding. Yeah, there's like the walking spell. But this one is just a spell on how to find a parking space. Oh, good. So what you'll need is a toy car, preferably a miniature one or one the same color as your own vehicle, a small open box that you want to place on its side to represent the parking space. Okay. And the perfect timing to do this spell is before you go out and need to find a parking space. Sure. Okay, so (laughs) this is the spell. So you hold the toy car in your hands and you say, don't wait, don't hesitate. Guide me where I can see a space to race right in that is right for me. And you say that and then you put the car at one end of the table and a box at the other. Touching the box, say once more, don't wait, don't hesitate. Guide me where I can see a space to race right in that's right for me. Then you put the car directly in the box, saying the same spell again. So a lot of repeating the spell. Well, I think repetition is the key to most (laughs) spells. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. So then when you leave, you pick up the toy car and you say the spell again. And you put the toy car in your glove box of your car and you go to where you're going. And it says, avoid second guessing or going to the most logical place and you will automatically be guided to a vacant parking spot every time. Now, what do you do if this doesn't work? I guess you just say the spell a few more times. You did it wrong or something. You have to drive back home. You have to go back home and not do it. But apparently if you say that spell and you do all those steps, then you'll go somewhere and find a parking space every time. You can leave the toy car in your glove box of your vehicle so you don't have to do the whole drive your car into the box at home every time. You can leave it in your glove box and then whenever you need a space in the future, you hold the toy car and you start your vehicle and you say the spell again excellent <laughs> so i thought it was kind of funny um, i agree i like that. i don't know about to try it and see if it works okay well the next time we need to go somewhere where parking is usually an issue 
we'll have our toy car and our little box. Yes. That spell, I picked that one because it's mostly doable. A lot of the other spells are like you need lavender and sage and a yellow candle and a black candle and you have to have the black candle next to the yellow candle and you have to have a white rock and you have to have a (laughs) gemstone. And it's like, oh my God. But that one seemed pretty easy. Cool. So if anyone does that and it works for them, let us know. Yeah, please let us know. That's the spell of the day. Great. Thank you, Lynn. <laughs> okay, so my story this week is the Horseshoe Brewery disaster. Okay. I have never heard of that one. I guess beer can be scary. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Not if you just get drunk. Oh, okay. It can be scary otherwise. Like if, if someone or if like people are afraid of like a caramel looking liquid. Yeah. If it's a phobia. I can't tell you how many times I see a caramel. <laughs> I saw I see a caramel liquid and I'm like, get me out of here. Caramel liquid phobia. Yeah. Scary. <laughs> would it be just caramel liquid colored stuff or would it be just caramel in general? No, caramel's fine, but a liquid like more. Well, I guess caramel's, caramel can caramel, be liquidy. Caramel is a viscous liquid, but I think something like watery. That's the color of caramel. Pond water. No, thanks. <laughs> Beer. Scary. Uh-uh. Bourbon whiskey. Scary looking. Scary. Caramel colored liquid. Okay, so in 1784, English brewers finally met success in the challenge of creating a large vat that they could store mass quantities of their liquid product. So breweries over in London and stuff like that were like, hey, we figured out how to build these vats to store a bunch of beer so we can mass produce. Wonderful. So they're like, this is great. So they realized that it was functional and it was safe. And they started out with the capacity of 2,400 barrels of each product, which was the beer. That's a lot of barrels. each vat. So that's storing a lot of stuff. Well, with other friendly competition of other breweries, the vats got bigger and bigger, and it basically like became a competition to see who could have the biggest vats for their product. So, <laughs> so you would say this is like how many, how much liquid can you hold competition? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was actually one brewer that named two of his vats the King's Vault and the Queen's Vault. <laughs> In honor of the royal family and because it could hold capacities ranging from 10,000 to 20,000 barrels for that's, a single vat. That's a lot. That's so, so they're much. just they're just brewing beer and they're holding it in their vats and they're like, life's good. This is going to be great. Well, surprisingly, I mean, not surprisingly, I guess, in the middle of this competition, the actual quality of the construction of the vat started to take second place in the importance of their capabilities. So they were just going for size rather than uh, structure. I guess quantity over quality at this point. Yes. So you're kind of thinking something bad might happen. Yeah. Okay, so this Turn- is where this is where something bad happened. <laughs> Turns out nothing bad happened and everything was fine. And it was fine. That's the end of my story. So around 5.30 on the evening of Monday, October 17th, 1814, one of the great vats owned by a man called Henry Muux, M-E-U-X. Muux? Mo? Is that like, I don't know if that's like a oh, French maybe. thing. Oh, maybe. He might have been a French man. I bet you there's so many people listening and they're like, that's not either of you. That's not how you say that (laughs) at all. (laughs) That's okay. But he owned a big company and one of his vats at the Horseshoe Brewery of St. Gill's, London, burst open and instantly released a tidal wave of 3,555 barrels worth of very strong beer. 
Oh my gosh. Strong so, as in alcohol content just, or strong as in the like just, force of the beer? I think both. I what, think a, what a bummer both. too. Like if you were drowning, if, if there was a tidal wave of beer and it was like a super high percentage, like ABV, like I, okay, I could probably swim my way out of a tidal wave of Miller Lite. But, but, but like, not like a like a double IPA or something that's like <laughs> nine or ten percent. Not alcohol. a Great Lakes Christmas ale. No, ooh, oh yeah, boy, really talk about heavy. a hangover. Talk about a nasty one. <laughs> so, anyways, this burst open is already kind of a problem, well, and yeah. the tidal wave is huge, and it crashes into other vats, <laughs> which they explode. Other beer vats. Yes, and this total wave like of height and just the amount of beer there was was 8,000 to 9,000 barrels of beer just exploding at once. So it instantly destroys the wall of the brewery. And people at tailgates everywhere rejoiced. They said that the tidal wave was more than 25 feet in height. 25 foot high beer wave? And, And two and a half bricks in thickness. So two bricks, two and a half bricks thick. So pretty big tidal wave of beer. That's a lot of beer. It collapsed the whole section of the roof of the building and the majority of the debris was carried in the wave. So now you have a ginormous tidal wave that has busted through all the vats. Yeah. Busted the building down, ripped off the roof, and you have all the debris of the building and the roof now in this tidal wave. Good Lord. So the street that this brewery was on was called New Street, and now it it's called demolished. Dirty street. <laughs> now it's called Boozy Street. Boozy Street. And it demolished all the houses, and they were all first floor houses. Holy smokes. So it basically was a huge beer disaster, and it swept through all the houses. A bunch of women and children lived in those houses because their husbands were still at work. Oh, because this was 5:30 at the brewery on a Monday, probably building their huge vats. Oh. So it killed a lot of mothers and children. That's sad. Which sucks. But they basically kind of just let it destroy everything because there was no way to stop this. And then they had to go back and clean up all the pieces afterwards. What if the only way to stop it was, I understand it was 1814, right? Yes, 1814 is when it exploded. What if the only way to stop the tidal wave of beer was with helicopters that just dumped bread and like fried food on it, like which is the food <laughs> that you would drink? Just trying to dab it up with yeah, french fries. Yeah, well, like or just like typical hangover cure food or food <laughs> that you eat on the way home, like dump a bunch of hot dogs on it. Put it in, I don't know, drink it. Try Quick. someone. Chug, 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 call, chug. Call every college freshman you know and have them come here. But yeah, so the road was also fairly flat, so that didn't work out for it either because instead of like going down into one section, it kind of just covered everything. It filled up people's cellars. It flooded houses. So a lot of people were killed. Like I said, it was mostly women and children, sadly, because their husbands were at work and they didn't really know how many had died, but they counted eight that were found um, because of the debris and the wave. Like they don't know if they found everyone. So it was really sad. But then the guys running the breweries were mad about it. So they sued the city for damage costs and the city paid the money so they could keep their 
their breweries afloat or should i say yeah. not afloat yeah not afloat <laughs> please yeah keep their breweries contained but that spot in what st gills london yes is supposed to be very haunted with the horseshoe brewery disaster i would imagine so i i still like i wouldn't have thought that then they were able to contain so much beer. I don't know. I guess I would have thought that like when I think about structures back then, I just think of all of them could be taken over by like a strong breeze. So the fact that they had these giant vats that were holding what five, six thousand barrels of beer. Right. Well, and they investigated it too. And they, of course, the people that built the vats were like, it wasn't our fault. It uh, The structure was sound and all this stuff. And they tried blaming it on like, like the fermentation process and it expanding and exploding. Sure. But they found out that the, actually the beer, like I don't know much about home brewing or brewing at all really, but they found out that the beer was not in that fermentation stage that it could have exploded. And they checked like the rivets and stuff of the vats and they seemed weak. So they just <laughs> didn't build a very good structure and then they blew up and like almost drowned like a whole neighborhood. They were just trying to outstore one another, which just seems right. like that's just like such a dude sort of a thing because if it was all the all the guys working at this place it's like well we can hold four thousand uh, <laughs> b- barrels of beer well you know it probably started out like well i can brew beer well i can brew beer too and then i can brew beer too and then they're like well i can build a vat well me too and then the next guy is like well i'm gonna build one bigger than yours i can bench more than you oh yeah i can bench a million <laughs> and one pounds i just imagine like all these dudes like just watching this tidal wave just destroy their wives and children and houses and they're like well there goes that huh huh well i guess we can't <laughs> store that much <laughs> i guess we have to go back to smaller vats well i guess that was really silly to brag about how much beer we can hold in one big thing yeah but people have reported nowadays if you go back to new street which is in london there is i think a historical landmarker for the horseshoe brewery of st gills in london and people said they have reported hearing screams and a lot of whispers okay so so I don't know. I didn't read anything about apparitions or anything, but I have people have reported a lot that they will hear someone almost like when they're walking around that area, like whispers or oh. they'll hear like screams in the distance. That's so creepy. So it's really weird. So it would be like a really cool place to check out if you're ever in London. Man, one of these days you and I will get to London, I bet. One of these days. And we'll build a huge vat that holds 15,000 of chocolate milk. Well, yeah. Cashew milk. <laughs> yeah, Lindsay and I just drank some cashew chocolate milk. So, uh, it was delicious. So there. <laughs> I'll build a vat that holds 15,000 pounds of chocolate cashew milk. I was saying let's build a vat that holds, I don't know, 15,000 dollar bills. So when it breaks open, everyone's like, Which is oh, like money. how cool is this? It's or, like that. Uh, Remember that machine that they used to have in the mall that would like all those dollar bills would fly around? around you yeah. get in that box and you have whatever you caught you could keep yeah and you like always thought you were gonna do really good but really you only came out with like ten dollars yeah also what a weird machine what a weird thing for yeah. someone to be like let's put them in the box and laugh at them while they try to catch a bunch of stuff yeah because like you're you're trying to catch a bunch of money that's flying all over the place and it's almost like the faster you move the greedier you seem but then you're also playing a game so you want to do well at the game it's really bizarre. What a weird, twisted game that is that really exposes humanity. What if they put something else but money in there, like Crabs? something bad? Oh. Yeah. 
live crabs. <laughs> like lobsters that just shoot around and hit you in the face. You know, there that that's the one thing that I wish uh, Red Lobster would go back to doing because before they had those lobster tanks, they had those machines. Oh, and the they grab would, machines? Yeah. Well, no, that's like terrible. Well, no, but like in these, yeah, in, in those machines where they would blow money around, but you'd get in there and they'd turn on the fans and they'd just dump lobsters in there and you'd have lobsters flying everywhere <laughs> and smashing against it. You have to catch lobsters and stuff. And But, you know, the, those... The, it'd be scary. It'd be really scary. And it's hard to grab a lobster at that velocity without it just tearing into a million pieces. So Yeah, you have experience. We used to go to the one in Menor. And, we used uh, to go lobster grabbing all the time. We used to go lobster crabbing, crabbing, catching them, <laughs> blowing them around all the time, ding dang time. Uh, yeah, all the time. The one in Menor had one, the red lobster, and uh, yeah, it was just it was it was just always gross and dirty. Speaking of red lobster, oh yeah. Side note: <laughs> I wrote this in my book a long time ago. And Wait, I, what? <laughs> and I never and I never had a chance to. Let me get to it. But I never had a a right chance to say this. But I feel like now that we're talking about chain restaurants, I need to. To explain this mystery really quick. I would say do it because we still have a few minutes before we need to go to haunted housekeeping. Oh, anyways. it's only a f- couple seconds yeah, here. Yeah, it's great. This is so, great. So, okay, I found this a while ago. <laughs> and apparently, people, many people have reported that they have gone to a Dave and Buster's and having a great time. And it's bigger than most Dave and Buster's and the prizes are better. And it's in Antarctica. Well, Dave and Buster's have reportedly repeated that they do not have a Dave and Buster's in. In Antarctica. Wait, what? But that, like, thousands of people have claimed that they have been there. Wait, what are you? <laughs> what are you talking about? What? See, I told you there was like never really a right spot to put this in. But since we were talking about Red Lobster, I thought of Dave and Buster's. Wait, so are all of these people? So people are reviewing Dave and Buster's online or social media, saying that the Antarctica Dave and Buster's <laughs> oh, oh. is way better and bigger than any Dave and Buster's. <laughs> Ever. Okay. But Dave and Buster's <laughs> keeps getting mad and responding and saying we don't have a Dave and Buster's in Antarctica. So people online are just trolling Dave and Buster's. I mean, realistically, yeah, I think that's what's happening. Oh. But I think it's very funny that thousands of people just keep adding to it and there's like not anybody like freaking out going <laughs> like they're like Dave and Buster's is freaking out saying like there is no Dave and Buster's there. That's really funny because so they're basically taunting dave and busters yeah they're they're troll troll city they're they're, right. they're troll tooling them but there's a big conspiracy things like saying like these people are obviously going somewhere that oh, is posing like a dave and busters but it's not really there and that's so great and they called it oh there's a word for that um dave and dusters not mass hysteria no it's like spontaneous teleportation so basically spontaneous teleportation what i've vaguely read is when (laughs) either somebody like the mystery is when you find like missing bodies or something and you don't know how they got there they like basically say like they were killed by a supernatural being and they were placed somewhere else or like so in this case they're saying that there is this like ghostly apparition of a dave and busters that people are being beckoned to and going there but it's not really there oh my conspiracy gosh. theories here's the thing 
if there if people were doing spontaneous teleportation and they were going to a Dave and Buster's in Antarctica, <laughs> now in its defense, a Dave and Buster's that was just nonstop lit all the time. That's very funny, but like that's where they're going. But the thing though is, there's not much going on in Antarctica no. that a Dave and Buster's there would probably do fairly well for the people oh that my are there. Gosh, can you imagine? But there's only like what a hundred people in Antarctica. Four. Well, hey, here's a true story. Our sister-in-law's cousin, Ian, is actually living in Antarctica right now. He's stationed at some like wildlife station doing something, but he always posts so these those, photos. So we should shout out to him and see if there's really a Dave and Buster's there. Yes, because Ian always posts these incredible <laughs> photos with his really nice camera. Of Dave and Buster's. Ian, go to the Dave and Buster's. <laughs> Ian, if you listen to the show, if you get this show in Antarctica, go to the Dave and Buster's if it's there and take a bunch of photos and let us know right now. We need to know if it's real or not. I mean, it's one of those things that it's like Dave and Buster says there's not one there, and there probably isn't, most likely. But I like, what if not. someone built a Dave and Buster's and there really was oh, one there? It would be so funny. That would be the. F- I I think <laughs> honestly, I don't think I would laugh ever again because I would have experienced the funniest thing on earth: someone spending millions of dollars to build the world's biggest Dave and Buster's on Antarctica. Knock off Dave and Buster's. Yeah, Dave and Dusters, which you've already, which we've already established, Dave. <laughs> Dusters is now canon and it would, it would you know you you would go there and there was nothing ironic about it it was just insanely fun all the time and use your spell to find a parking spot because you know Antarctica Dave and yes. Buster's is going to be rip roaring so rip roaring <laughs> get your parking spot go to Antarctica review Dave and Buster's it's the biggest and the bestest <laughs> it's the biggest and the bestest Dave and Dusters there is <laughs> well yeah that was like a whole thing of random things but mainly about the Horseshoe Brewery company and how sad it was, but also cool place (laughs) to go ghost investigate. Yeah, I agree. Well, fun. That's it. That's all I have. (laughs) That was one of my favorite things you've ever talked about was the Dave and Busters. (laughs) (laughs) I like how I did this whole elaborate story about the Horseshoe Brewing Company and then, you know, I tried to cast a spell or teach you a spell and then you really liked Dave and Busters, which I wasn't even going to mention. It just... I wrote it down. Isn't that funny how it works out? It fit in there. I do really like your spell. I mean, I like everything, but I just think that that Dave and Buster's is particularly... It is pretty funny. It's a big conspiracy theory online, whether people think it's real or they're like, no, guys, it's people messing with you. I'm going to Google it and then leave a review when we're done with this. (laughs) Best place on earth. Everybody review the Dave and Buster's in Antarctica. Let's confuse them even more. Can you imagine that? If everyone with our power, with our powers combined, we can go on Google or Yelp or wherever and review the non-existent Antarctica Dave and, Bo- Dave and Dusters. Well, add to the thousands. Yeah, let's do it. Well, let's do some haunted housekeeping. Yeah. And then we'll come back and then I'm going to talk about Dave and Busters. Cool. Again? What uh-huh. if your topic was about Dave and Busters? It is. 100%, I swear. Well, we will see each and every one of you in three, two, one. Our show this week, since last week, is brought to you by our paranormal pals at VidiSpace. Hey, what the heck is VidiSpace? Everyone's asking all the time. Well, VidiSpace is your one-stop spooky shop 
for any and all things paranormal. It's a streaming service, which is now available on Amazon Prime, soon available on Roku, or on your phone, your computer, whatever you want. City Space was created by Elizabeth Saint, which she's an awesome babe that can make <laughs> a bunch of paranormal, awesome, cool equipment. Check her out. And also Nick Groff from Paranormal Lockdown and Ghosts of Shepherdstown. So on Video Space, you can actually join for free for 15 days. You can cancel any time. And they have a lot of cool things. They have the haunted space, the horror space, the documentary space, all these different places. And we're actually their first podcast on the network. Yeah, which you can find us under the podcast space. So some things happening on VidiSpace this week, as you're listening to this episode on November 5th, well, if you're not, it comes out November 5th, and on November 5th on VidiSpace at midnight is the season two premiere of the Paranormal Investigation Show within these walls. And in any of their spaces, there's a ton of content that you can check out. For instance, if you were to go into the haunted space, there's some programming yet Yes, No Goodbye, Ghost Vlogs, Abducted New England, Ghost Girls Paranormal. So each of these spaces is full of content that's available for you. And you can get it all for 15 days for free if you go to vidi.space and sign up. Try it. There's a lot of cool programs on there. And there's a lot of fun shows on there. I agree. And Elizabeth Saint and Nick Groff are constantly adding content. They just got done. I think Nick just got done doing some Quest Red stuff over in the UK. Maybe they were over in St. Gill's investigating a brewery. I don't really know, but it'd be fun to check out. So again, go to vidi.space, sign up for your 15-day free trial, and if you like it, I believe it's only $9.99 for an entire month. So you can get your whole doses of spooky every single day. All year round, not just on Halloween. All the time. Welcome back, our spooky little buddies. <laughs> Hopefully you took some time to check out vidi.space and browse all their incredible content and also incredibly haunted content. And as I said that, Lindsay put up her hood because she's wearing a hoodie and she got incredibly haunted more so because her hood's up and that's spooky looking. I do feel like when I wear my hood, I feel like I'm a little more emo, a little more of an emotional girl. Okay. <laughs> Do you want me to go get a hood? You have a hat on. That yep. counts. Well, you know what's funny about hats versus hoods? Like looking looking like an emotional person or like you're maybe into ghosts. If your hood's up all the way, you look spooky. But if you're wearing your beanie pulled back to where it looks slouchy, then you look more like a spooky person wearing a beanie. So like hoods are all the way up. Beanies are- I was going to say you kind of just look like kind of a middle-aged dad. When it's pulled back? Yeah, because you can't see yeah. the, my hair on the top. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to look like Are you a, just like you're, you know, doing like a hipster vibe? Trying to look like trying to look like a real Rick Moranis. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rick Moranis. You know, I think I do too. He's a really good good guy. He had bad things happen to him and he just like backed out of the limelight. He actually is a very good guy. I read all about him. I like Rick. I also told Jordan this weekend all about what Sullenberger, the guy that yeah, Sully, Sully that landed the plane on the Hudson, <clears throat> which is so scary when I look at that pictures, but read about him because he's a wonderful man. Yeah, and apparently a really good flutist. First chair. First chair in high school. <laughs> Sully. Sully. 
Well, speaking of Sully, actually, yeah. I'm just joking. It's not about <laughs> Sully. I have some breaking booze, and I've done my breaking booze that leads us into another story that's related to the breaking booze, which I feel like I'm streamlining this stuff. Synergy. Yeah. Making it flow. Are you ready for my breaking booze? Yes, I'm ready. Well, it's not mine, but I found it. So this breaking booze leads us all the way to our neighbors to the south whatever direction, depending on how you're looking at it, Australia. <laughs> I guess it depends on where you are in the world, too. Whoa, dude. Maybe it's north. Well, if you're in, if you're in the Dave and Buster's in Antarctica, it's probably to the north. Yeah, most likely. If you're our, our second cousin by marriage, Ian, then it's to the north. Okay. All right. Well, anyways, so this breaking booze happens in Australia, which I don't think we've ever talked about Australia on the show. Have not, mate. Good day. And it's time for my Australia breaking booze. So a bunch of people saw some aliens in Australia. That's it. That's it. And that's actually all I have. So we'll see you next week. Um, Thanks for listening. So in Victoria, in southern Australia, two people saw an entity that they quote unquote couldn't immediately identify. So how do they know it was alien? Well, what if it was paranormal? I don't know. I think they think it's alien and then it might make sense as to why it might be an alien in a minute. Okay. I think. Okay. Or hey, maybe it was just a ghost and they freaked themselves out. Maybe it was just a Dave and Buster's and they got confused. (laughs) Yeah, it could have been. Uh, or someone just left the place and they were so hyped up with Dave and Buster's, Australian Dave and Buster's energy, they were literally glowing because they were like, I've never been to a place that's that great. Yeah. You know, I don't know. So it was about 2 a.m. when these two guys were walking around and they rounded a corner of a street and they saw, quote, a large glowing white entity that caught their attention. Okay, was it shaped like a person? It was just a glowing like orb? No, I think it was like a human, a humanoid, a human looking entity that was glowing white. So again, could have been David and Buster's energy. Yeah. So this story came out again uh, from our buddies at MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, which their headquarters are, are, are in Cincinnati. But this happened in 2016, but we're just hearing about it now. I just don't get why these things take so long. I also don't know. Like they have to go through like a process of like, okay, well, we'll file. They have so many that they have to file them. And then it goes to like <laughs> the receptionist and then she's not great at her job. So then like it slowly trickles up and then like. Because they don't pay enough and they're like, well, we just kind of expect you to do a lot of work. And they're not like, you barely get any benefits. Yeah. And then they're angry and then they have to hire new staff that they're not trained as well classic yeah you'd think it'd be better some you know other places but i think hey we all we all struggle the same yeah (laughs) you can't even see an alien and get that done quickly no i know two years one of the guys who saw the entity described it as a quote 10 foot tall glowing entity end quote and then he also said quote very tall and moved very quickly end quote what Uh, was it doing i don't know just kind of hanging out it's just moving around really quick. Moving around on some street in... Uh, what does the pumpkin dancer guy say? Uh, oh, he, he brings spon- spontaneous acts of jubilance. Oh, yes. So that's what it was probably doing. Yeah. It very well could have been doing that. Hmm. The the two guys who saw it claimed that the being vanished right away, but it's, you know, but they, they, were, they, they managed to catch a small glimpse of it. It looked at them, and then it took two small little strides, I think, behind a building and disappeared. And that was it. That's weird. It is weird. Now, it was 2 a.m. What were they doing out at 2 a.m.? At St. Gill's, London, drinking some booze off the streets. Yeah, they might have been looking they might have been licking the ground, getting all the getting the booze remnants off. Even though this is Australia, but I think that the beer tidal wave could have made its way there. 
Do you think like the drunk, just drunks, like the guys like in the typical back in the day, just like hanging out in the street being drunk, saw that like beer tidal wave and then they were like, it's like my savior. Like this is the greatest. And then it hit them and then they're like, oh no. Oh, what a metaphor. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Okay. Because we, Lindsay and I have been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption and there are a lot of men in the game who just wander in the middle of the street extremely drunk. Side note, Red Dead Redemption, I did not realize, without giving anything away, there was going to be so many spooky, creepy Easter eggs hidden in that game. It's really creepy. And it's very cool. There's obviously a horror fan that works at Rockstar Games. Or many of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't it be great? Breaking booze from us, the Reeds. I understand that Fallout's coming out soon. Yeah. And there are going to be some West Virginia cryptids in the game. Wouldn't it be great if there was an open world game that was all based on hunting, and maybe in a humane way, or maybe it's a video game, it could be make-believe, hunting cryptids. Listen to that, Rockstar Games. Or Bethesda. Cryptid Hunters. Or Gearbox. Whoever else, I don't care. Just you, like, please have, have like awesome graphics and make it so. That'd be fun. Just make it so realistic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's the end of that breaking booze story in Australia. Okay. Which I'd love to go to Australia, by the way. Yeah, it's expensive. It's expensive to go there, and I think to be there, but it looks really great. If anyone wants to send us to Australia, yeah. we'll go find some spooky stuff. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred, a hundred million. We only percent. need like probably like maybe ten thousand dollars. <laughs> For this trip? Chump change. Yeah, seriously. Don't, hey, don't be so stingy <laughs> <laughs> with your $10,000. But that leads me into my real story for this week is that in 1966, there is one of the biggest UFO or alien sightings ever that happened in Australia hmm. in 1966. Which isn't that long ago. No, what is it, 20 years? <laughs> uh, sure. 50, 52 years ago. Yeah. Thank you very much, math class. <laughs> All math classes? Take that, math. Math Do you think for the life. more the more math problems people solve, it w- makes math weaker? Like you're kind of dissing it? Or like we're taking its power. Yeah. Oh, math like math general. is a creature? Well, just like this entity. And like every time I say two plus two is four, even though that's like maybe like one point of damage, math is like, oh no. And like you're solving The bigger equations you solve, math itself becomes weaker, and then math would cease to exist because we know everything. Hmm. Whoa, dude. Whoa. (laughs) You're you're going deep for this. I think there may there might have been something in the chocolate cashew milk. There might have been a little funny juice. Funny juice. In that cashew milk. What's funny juice? Silly juice. Oh, just silly juice? Silly sips. Oh, good. Okay, well, I only had chocolate cashew milk. What are we even talking about? Okay. (laughs) If you're still listening, thank you. Oh my gosh, if you're still listening, I think you're a real ride or die. So thank you so much because we aren't talking about anything. If you actually are making it to this point, you should give us a shout out on Instagram or Twitter. Spooky under, <laughs> at spooky underscore spouses. And hey, maybe we'll send you a sticker because we'll be very proud of you. Yeah, because what on earth are we even talking about? Right. Okay. So anyways, your story. Yeah. 1966 in Australia in Westall. Uh, Westall. I think I'm going to pronounce these wrong because I don't know the dialect. Yeah. But that's okay. But 1966, more than 200 people reportedly watched an object land uh, in a field next to a school 
in Melbourne, Victoria, uh, some have dubbed to be one of the biggest UFO mysteries in the entire world. That's a lot of people. Over 200 people sat and watched this thing happen. Okay, at the same time. Like they were reported at the same time. Yep, it was all one big thing. So this is April 6th, 1966. I would have been negative 20 years old. Okay. So just, I mean, just take that in consideration. It was about 11 a.m. And for about 20 minutes, more than 200 students and teachers at two different schools witnessed an unexplained flying object, or if we're talking about to the stars, an unidentified aerial threat, descended slowly into a nearby field between these two schools. And it landed in in an area called a paddock or a paddock, Mm P-A-D-D-O-C-K, which I believe just means an open field, but I searched what a paddock was or a paddock and there was also it also showed a lot of horses so i'm not sure if it was if it's like a field specifically designed for horses to just play in or if it was a field designed by horses yeah now that's something i would have never so taken a big table of horses they're sitting around they're like what should we create oh how about just like a big field because like that's what we like there'll be a lot of grass there just for us and it's like you that's just eat favorite. the grass and you just stand there yeah like sometimes you can lay down but like for the most part we sleep standing up so like stand on the grass man i bet that's a horse's dream just a big field field of dreams field of horse dreams again if you're still listening we're at spooky underscore spouses <laughs> just say i'm still here and maybe we'll send you a sticker yeah seriously why not but this area in which the ufo landed it was called the grange and now the grange is a small little nature reserve and a park and a playground that uh also there because i searched it up has a ufo slide oh is it like a monument basically for Mm -hmm. the ufo that little kids can like puke and pee on well yeah they can puke or pee and whatever they want to do someone poops their pants it slides down the slide Lindsay, that's bad and yucky <laughs> but it's this big UFO and but it's actually a really cool slide. Yeah. Because it's it's literally like, like an enclosed UFO and there's four or five different slides ascending from it like a five-armed octopus. Oh, that's cool. It's super cool. And it's just like a fun thing because obviously people in Australia were like, let's celebrate this UFO that landed here and over 200 people saw it. So many of the descriptions from the witnesses were a little bit mixed, but they were all fairly similar. The most common description was this thing was a saucer-shaped deal that was gray, but it had a slight purple hue emanating from it. And it was about about twice the size of like your standard family car. So we're talking like two honda civics yeah that were silver or gray with a purple hue now one guy who's a science teacher andrew greenwood told the local newspaper that he saw the exact same thing but it was a little bit green and not purple so maybe andrew greenwood is colorblind i don't know or maybe there was a movie that came out around that time and that's what that spaceship looked like and then they were like that's what it looked like that's what it was you're I mean, maybe. Hmm. And 200 people saw it, though. Maybe yeah. they, maybe all 200 people just got out for like their lunch break and they had just watched the movie in class. Yeah. Um, the, the UFO reportedly landed out of sight from people because it went into the field. That's like it, it, it was in between all these pine trees, landed in the paddock, kicked it for about 20 minutes. No one saw it. And then it flew away after that, uh, after those 20 minutes. Okay. Now, as it left, everyone said that there were a few or like at least one smaller ship that followed it out so it landed as one ship and then most people say five smaller ships followed it out yeah and then some people say three and then a few people say oh no it was only one ship that followed it out still kind of weird came as came as one left as many Hmm. 
what a cool saying that I always say. When you were comparing it to, side note, going back, when you were comparing it to two Honda Civics. Would you rather I did a Honda, um, uh, what's the other one? What's the other Honda car? Uh, uh, no, I don't know. Accord, any Accord, Accord, <laughs> Accord. No, I just imagine like two Honda Civics like literally just taped together <laughs> and like flying around. With, an, with like a parachute on top just floating down. <laughs> yeah, or just cruising around. And they have one of those cool novelty horns. It has those huge uh, tails on the end. Because remember, like, people used to soup up their Hondas. Oh, spoilers. Yeah, like super, super huge spoiler on the back. When I see a... Neons on the bottom. Oh, that's the, maybe that's the purple light. Yeah, Or the probably. green light. It was just two Honda Civics, y'all. Just tooped up, two stooped Mates. up. <laughs> just two souped up civvies, dog. <laughs> Hey, mates, it's just two souped up civvies. G'day, mate. Check out my souped up civvy. Too fast, too furious. Too soupied. <laughs> too civic Do you think when people see a really souped up car, they're like, man, that is too soupy? Or you could soup up a car and call it the UFO. See, I think we're really onto some really cool stuff this episode. <laughs> I think we have some good ideas this I episode. Think, hey, I think we have all we have very good ideas. Uh, okay. One thing that legitimizes this whole story is that the uh, the Royal Australian Air Force, the RAF, as I call it. Oh, sweet name! Thanks a lot. I came up with it. I didn't come up with it. Um, there were no reported aircraft in and around where this thing had landed. Not commercial, not private, or none from the uh, Air Force. Hmm. Which, which is weird. Seems legit. Well, what about commercial flights, though? No, none. I mean, commercial flights are always in and out. Sure, but I guess during this time, like while while this is happening, people called. I'm sure people were freaking out because they were like, "Is it a weather balloon?" Like everyone always right. says, every UFO is. And the the RAAF was like, "Nope, nothing there. Sorry." Hmm. This whole time, on certain words, I've wanted to try an Australian accent, but I'm just so. I also don't wanna because I'm not because I'm very bad at it. So yeah. I just wanted to let each and every one of you know, and you, Lindsay, you're welcome for not doing it. <laughs> um, well, I keep saying mates. Well, yeah, but, but... I mean, I don't know if Australian Australians do say the word mate or if that's just like a stereotypical... Like Americans think that they do that. Yeah. Like uh, how probably. we think that everybody in the South says y'all. Yeah, which we know people in Madison, Ohio, which is as far north in Ohio as you can get that still say y'all. Right. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, one thing that I thought was the most was the the most weirdest is that the Sun News Pictorial, which is a tabloid in Australia, didn't report on it at all. Maybe and they usually, didn't want the publicity. Yeah, but tabloids thrive on publicity for weird yeah, stuff. They're always true. like, check out Ben Affleck's tattoo. If you trace it backwards with your finger, his back opens up and there's tiny aliens inside. Maybe they were paid off to not report it, to not create like mass hysteria. That's, you know what? That's the first time I think. It's the 60s. It's the 60s. That's one of the first times you've bought into extraterrestrial stuff. And that's, at least you're playing along and I'm very happy about it. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so this this was really nice. A bunch of these space buddies who saw this thing happen, who were going to either one of the, uh, the schools that were on either sides of the paddock. Yeah. Uh, they all had in 2006, April 8th, 2006, to commemorate the 40th anniversary of the incident, they all got together at the Westall Tennis Club and just kind of hung out. Oh, cool. Did they play tennis? It. I bet. Probably Aww. did. <laughs> Was the tennis balls just flying UFOs and they would just toss them around? Imagine like the like themed drinks and space food they had there at the event and stuff like too. Like Dippin' Dots. 
Dippin' Dots. Ice cream in the future. Yeah, one of the one one of the people, their uh their nephew, David, works at a fair and they borrowed a bunch of dippin' dots from their nephew. Yeah. Brought him to the thing. I just thought that was funny. But yeah, that's that's one story that I had never heard of. Yeah. In Australia, that's I mean, allegedly one of the largest UFO sightings by a pretty huge group of people that seems legitimate. Right. Well, with big groups of people, it's like, was it mass hysteria? Almost? Not hysteria, but like, was it a mass like, oh, yeah, we all saw it too. But like... And they kind of convince each other. Yeah. I mean, it very it, it very well could have been. There's there's really, honestly, which is the, the case for any and all things paranormal, is that... It's unexplained. It's unexplained, and we will probably never really know. Right. But it's fun to think about that 200 people just watch this thing land, kick it, and then take off with other little buds. Yeah. It's really cool. To wrap everything up, I just, I, I found four Australian cryptids and I just have a quick little description of each of them. Okay. If that's okay with you. Shoot. Do you want to ask Molly? No, because she's sleeping and that's a good thing. Okay. So here are some, here are four Aussie cryptids that I thought were really fun. I'm going to save the first one I wrote down for last because that one's my favorite. There's the Hawkesbury River Monster, which is just a cousin to Nessie, about 24 meters long. Yeah. Which is, that's very long because what a meter is three foot. Yeah. Super long. I bet it was a big old sturgeon. Well, no, because they, sturgeons are freshwater. Sturgeons are freshwater. Yeah. Yeah. I never even thought about that. But I, I guess there were like drawings and stuff from like, um, that have been passed down for a very long time. But there I love are river monsters. They're fun. Oh, so do I. But there are, are no photos of it, which to me oh. legitimizes it more. Or it's just really good at hide and seek. That's what I'm saying. Like people see it and they're like, oh, I'm going to get my camera out. And then it's, and then it's gone already. It's like, no, you ain't. Uh-uh. It says. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> Not today. Not today. There's the bunyip. Which is a fun name to say. Uh, the bunyip is this weird amalgam of like an animal, of like a weird mammal or a fish and a person. There was a drawing of it. And it looked like one of those things where you fold a piece of paper a bunch of times and you're like, okay, you draw the head. And then you unfold the one part and then you tell someone, okay, now you draw another part of the body. It just oh, looked yeah. like this weird collection of random parts. But it sleeps in rivers and swamps during the day. Then it comes out to prowl at night looking for people or animals to eat. It kind of resembles a wild human furry mammal and a snake and a, a amphibian. Hmm. The bunyip. Not to be confused with bunyin. Which is like a foot thing. It's a painful little like growth on your foot. Okay. Which also is kind of scary too. It's really scary. Yikes. Bunyip. Here's a fun one called the mudgel wank. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wonder if people in Australia call their kids that. Now you're being a mudgel wank <laughs> and you have to know that. The mudgel wank inhabits the Murray River and Lake Alex Alexandrina which flows into South Australia. The Mudgewank is this weird thing where it curses you if you try to kill it. So there is a report of this European steamboat captain that shot a Mudgewank and then died because his entire body got covered in these gigantic, painful red blisters. Ew. And there is one picture, uh, it's a drawing of the Mudgewank, or it looked like a really terrible Photoshop where it looked like a big leech that was like pinkish and red coming out of the water. Uh-uh. wank. And now for my favorite Aussie cryptid, at least based off of the few lists I read, the Yeramayahu. The, the Yeramayahu is a tiny little squatty red vampire thing that looks like a little, I don't know, like a weird little pudgy little creature. That's a, a, <laughs> okay. a, apparently a little vampire. Which is just more annoying than scary when it comes at you. Yeah, because it's, like, it's like, do stop. you kick it? Oh, it's really fast. Oh, great. You wear shin 
shin guards and just let it bite you and then you <laughs> kick it away. Yeah. yeah. The, this little red stumpy vampire hides in trees and it jumps on top of victims, which knocks them out when they're walking under the trees. Uh-huh. And then it sucks out their blood with like octopus suckers that it has on its hands and its feet. Ew. One of my favorite parts about it is if it ends up eating you, it falls asleep directly. At, uh, it, it falls asleep immediately after it eats you. And then as soon as it wakes up, it will probably barf you back up. And then you might still be alive. And then you could run away, even though it sucked a lot of your blood out. Huh. Yeah. Eats you, takes a nap, wakes up, goes, uh-oh, bloop, and then barfs you up. And then you're like, what on earth is going on here? And then you can and then you can just take off. And then you think to yourself, I can never tell anybody about what just happened. Yeah, because it'd be weird. Because no, I will have no friends left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got jumped on by a stumpy little vampire and it sucked my blood and then barfed me out. Yeah. Australia. Very weird. I would love to go to Australia. We can find that little vampire man. Punch a mudgel wank. <laughs> Probably going to punch a, mud- a mudgel wank. Punch a mudgel wank. That's a hard one to say. It sure is. Well, very interesting. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's your topic. Yeah, well. Anyways. I feel like there were a lot of weird little ramblies in this one. Beer, Dave and Buster's Australia. Mudge wank. Mudge wank. Well, well great. thanks. Hey, we would like to thank our good pal Eli Rexford Chambers for writing the music that you heard in this episode in the beginning, middle, and the end. Thanks, Eli. You can find him on Instagram and Twitter at Eli Who Does Music. Also, we'd like to thank everybody over at the Scavengers Network. They have wonderful shows on that network. There is Journey Under 30. There's the new show Myth Takes, which you're actually on. I There's am Historical on it. Hotties. There's a lot of great shows. Check it out. And we would like to thank each and every one of you for listening to our show and subscribing and rating and reviewing and being involved with us uh, on social media. It makes us very happy and we like talking to everybody. Yeah, without you, there is no us. So there. Or there is, we just talk to ourselves. Yeah. Which that might have been this episode. Yeah. This was a very, <laughs> which is ironic because you and I have had an episode before where we talked about our own personal ghost stories, which is something like the Home Depot ghosts or something. And Yeah. But ironically, I think this is a more personal episode than that episode because I feel like we're, we had a little cashew chocolate milk and now we just feel silly. Now we're just silly. <laughs> Well, everyone, I hope you have a little vampire octopus arm man Wednesday. I hope each of you have a dairy-free chocolate milk, almond, soy, cashew, doesn't matter, uh, the entire week. A Dave and Buster's Friday. Oh, man, that sounds like that sounds like a poster you'd see on the break room fridge and you're like, oh, Dave and Buster's Friday. Who wants to do happy hour at the DMB? DMB. <laughs> Dave and Busties. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. And we will see each and every one of you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Right now? We are ignoring our dog. No. <laughs> and she's very curious. <laughs> we'll cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome back.